You can have all kinds of knowledge without having wisdom. So we need wisdom, or again, what Peter calls true knowledge. The wisdom the world has to offer is not that which comes from above. It's earthly. It's natural. Look at the third description. It's demonic. For the wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Hello, and welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy. Dr. Brogy is the senior pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today, Pastor Carl will conclude his study in the book of James, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Dr. Brogy reminds us that any person can have all kinds of knowledge without having wisdom. Let's join Pastor Carl as he explains why. And churches all across America are taking the gospel out of the gospel to speak of someone who is bearing wrath and punishment because God is a God of wrath who will punish sin is offensive. And so what do they speak about today in churches? You know what the number one preaching topic in America is right now? Global warming. Global warming. I hope you caught what the Pope said. I actually... I didn't want to misquote the man. He said, and I quote, The biblical flood, according to experts, is a mythical tale. The flood is an historical tale. So the Pope says that experts say it didn't happen. And if they say it didn't happen, then it didn't happen. And then he goes on and he says, and I quote, A great flood perhaps due to a rise in temperature and the melting of the glaciers is what will happen now if we continue along the same path. Well, number one, he denies the historicity of Scripture. We have studied in our series on the Revelation, he denies that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He denies the promise that God put in the sky that he will never flood the world again. And so we have these, you should pray for the Pope that he would find Christ as his Savior. He needs Christ desperately. He is a lost man leading hundreds of millions of people. But the number one topic is global warming. The second most preached topic is critical race theory that has nothing to do with racism. What a distorted view these people are presenting. And the other is social justice that has nothing to do with biblical justice. But you see, the finite mind, no matter how brilliant, and by the way, I'm going to preach on this before too long, so hold on to your seats. By the time we're done with James, I'm going to address some of these issues. No matter how brilliant your mind may be, it is still finite, and it cannot comprehend the infinite. Now, don't get me wrong. God is not depreciating learning. God doesn't put a premium on ignorance. When my mechanic fixes my brakes, I want to make sure he knows what he's doing so when I press the pedal, the car stops. When my physician cuts me open, I want to have been assured he went to medical school and I'm not his first victim. Listen, you get knowledge. You can have all kinds of knowledge without having wisdom. So we need wisdom or, again, what Peter calls true knowledge. The wisdom the world has to offer is not that which comes from above. It's earthly. It's natural. Look at the third description. It's demonic. For the wisdom 
is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Satan, he's the father of demons. What did he attempt to do? He attempted to exalt himself above the throne of God. That's what made the devil the devil. And that's what earthly wisdom does. It's on an ego trip. It's, a, it's the process of self-exaltation. In 1 John 5, 19, listen to what the world values. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. This world that we live in is in the power of the evil one. The devil is giving us demonic wisdom. In the end of time, in the latter days, not the last days, but latter times, there will be doctrines of demons. I want to tell you what is happening in our nation. There is no human explanation. These are doctrines of demons that are unfolding. And the devil is the one who's energizing the world system. And at the end of time, the Scripture teaches the church will begin to apostatize. The great apostasy will happen after the rapture. But the church will lose its saltiness. It will lose its ability to dispel darkness as a bright light. doesn't mean we have to become that way. Look at the seven churches of the Revelation. Jesus highlighted one church, and he said, because the rapture could have happened at any moment, he said, you'll not go through that time of tribulation that's going to come on the whole world because they were very different. But there's a parallel between the first coming of Christ and the second coming. He came into a very dark world. He's going to come back to a very dark world. I heard of a pastor years ago in Irwin, North Carolina, at the Porter's Baptist Church, who thought he would try to apply some reverse psychology on some of his members who needed to be more faithful. So he came to church and he dressed up as Satan. I mean, he had a devil suit on with a pitchfork and the whole nine yards. And then he had a sign around his neck that said, do not attend this church. And there he stood with a pitchfork, a sign around his neck saying absolutely nothing. And people came in, and they, they saw him, and some were nervous and frightened, and some children started to cry, and others asked him to identify himself, and one deacon had just had enough, and he called the sheriff. And when the police asked him to remove his mask, much to their shock, it was the pastor. And let me tell you, what's more frightening to me is not a pastor in a devil's suit, but it's the devil in a pastor's suit. And we have a lot of them. Paul warned us of such things. He says, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants, if his pastors, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Satan can come to church. He can even preach from the pulpit. And what's so sad today is people lack basic biblical knowledge. Look, a Christian can be persuaded in the wrong direction. Even Peter, I know it's pre-Pentecost, pre-regeneration, but on one occasion, if you remember, he embraced an idea that was not from above, it was from below, and God had to say, get behind me, Satan. So James is writing to people who are born again, people who have made a profession of faith in Christ and have genuinely met the living Lord, and he is teaching them how we should act and how we should think. 
But again, this kind of demonic wisdom is entering the churches all across America. Someone called up on the Bible line on Tuesday, and they wanted to know what I thought about Joyce Meyer and Beth Moore. I want proof. I said, look, I'm not going to spend my time on the Bible line going through. Listen to some of my sermons. I said, go to ReformationCharlotte.org. They document the whole thing. But I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. This was a lady calling on behalf of her church because all these women were studying Beth Moore and Joyce Meyer, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Are we so ignorant in America and so lacking basic biblical discernment that we cannot see frauds and fakes? And now we have entering into evangelicalism a new form of... uh, softness on the homosexual movement. And we say, well, someone can be a homosexual, have same-sex attraction. They don't need to repent of it as long as they are a celibate homosexual. J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, recently said this. He said, if a transgender person came into our church, came into my life, I think my predisposition would be to refer to them by their preferred pronouns. And he goes on and he describes of our need to use hospitable pronouns towards transgender people. Look, I don't hate transgender people. But I think if Jesus were here, he would say, have you not read that God created the male and female? That there's no such thing as a transgender person? And I've had people tell me, look, I've got a granddaughter who's transgender or this or that, and they want me to use, you know, these hospitable pronouns. I said, do not do it. You love them, but you do not compromise because you'll make them twice a son or daughter of hell. God uses his law as a standard, as a tutor, to lead people to faith in Christ. And when God created you, he either created you with XX chromosomes or XY chromosomes. He didn't create you with XXY chromosomes or XYX chromosomes. And now they tell me there's over 100 genders. Good night. Can you even believe it? This is total absurdity. This is what happens to a nation when we turn from God. When a church, when a denomination... When a home, when an individual adopts the world's wisdom, look at verse 16. Here's the fruit. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Is it any wonder that so many good churches and denominations have split because they cease to operate under God's wisdom. And this is the devil's plan, to get Bible preaching out of the pulpit, to give sermonettes to Christianettes, to give people 15-minute feel-good sermons rather than to really feed their soul with truth. And so instead of pastors feeding the sheep, we're entertaining the goats on Sunday morning. And God is heartbroken. And sometimes churches split over this. Paul will write in 1 Corinthians 11, and sometimes it's a good thing to split. 
For in the first place, when you come together as a church, he said, I hear the divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. We usually think of, you know, factions and splits among Christians, you know, over just little small problems. And, you know, I mean, Christians, they're, they're all over the map on should I wear a mask, should I wear two masks, should I wear no mask? And we're going to fight each other and we're, we're against each other like this instead of looking outward and thinking about winning the world to Jesus. But sometimes factions are good in a church when they're doctrinal factions when there's a departure from the truth, because Paul reminds us that in the process of that faction, God will show those who are really his. And some of you have come from churches where there has been a low premium on scriptural teaching. And that only fosters worldly wisdom. Instead of being peace in the church, there's these internal battles. And there's no real joy, and, and no one ever finds Jesus as Lord and if you've been in that kind of assembly, you know that the testimony that they have among themselves and in the community are often absolutely terrible. Now, let me just finish one more. Beyond the value of genuine wisdom, beyond the vices of worldly wisdom, I want to conclude with the virtues of heavenly wisdom. The virtues of heavenly wisdom. And again, he describes wisdom on two levels. He describes both its origin and its character. So let's start with heavenly wisdom as seen in its origin. Beginning now in verse 17, God gives eight characteristics of the wisdom from above, or what we would call heavenly wisdom. And if you have a heart for God, if you've been born from above, your heart will be crying out as we read through this list, God, make these things true in my life. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Notice it begins with a strong contrastive but. He's contrasting worldly wisdom with godly wisdom. He's describing how the wisdom whose origin is from above is something that the Spirit of God gives. However, if you want this kind of wisdom, as James has already told us, you cannot be a double-minded person. And so if you make peace with sin, if you become friends of the world's values, of the world's wisdom, you will never see these kinds of things worked out in your life. Notice first in the list, he says, first, pure. And by the way, the word that he uses for first in Greek, there are different words that are translated first. It's not first simply first on the list, but first in priority. Because God knows if this first issue, pure, or you could render it holy, is not true, then none of the rest can follow. And so he speaks of purity. And the Greek word is used to describe uh, someone who shrinks away from something. God wants us to treat sin the way you would treat garbage. You don't put garbage in your living room. You put it outside of the house. You don't put garbage in your heart. You flee from it. You stay far away from it. You are willing to apply Philippians 4.8, the things that are true and right and honorable and pure, as the standard by the things you will watch and view and let your heart and mind sink on. 
Teenagers and college students, listen. I spoke to a college student just last week, and I said, it's going to cost you. It's only going to get lonelier. It's not going to get easier. We need to be preparing our children and our grandchildren for persecution because it's coming. And not only do we have the Equality Act headed our way on a federal level, we have people in this state who want to produce an Equality Act for South Carolina, and we had better be on our toes There's nothing equal about the Equality Act. It's oppressive. And unless you buy into transgenderism and and homosexuality and lesbianism and a host of other things, then there'll be consequences. What a world. The wisdom from above is first pure. You can't live in an impure world and expect God to give you purity. And I say live in an impure world. That is embrace those kinds of things. Notice also it is peaceable. The wisdom from above is peaceable. And sadly, pastors all across America are now performing gay marriages or they endorse soft homosexuality, what I just told you, where you can embrace gayness as long as you don't act on it. That's just one step away. It's like medical marijuana. You know, that's coming up in South Carolina in the next week or so. You know, our own senator here in Buford, every time he stands up there on the floor, he pushes medical marijuana. And 10 days ago, every sheriff in the state met, and 100% were opposed, and 76% of the medical doctors in this state are opposed to it. Medical marijuana, it's always a stepping stone into recreational marijuana. And Colorado now wishes they could undo what they've done. What a mess that state is. But no, we don't want to upset people. Jesus said, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, this word peaceable means that you're not a contentious person, but it doesn't mean that you don't stand for truth, and that in the process of standing for truth, there there will be some people who will hate you. So again, he's describing heavenly wisdom. Peaceable, look at the next word, gentle, gentle. It's a different word that's been used by James. It's a word that refers to someone who is other-centered. Some English translations render this considerate. I grew up in a home. My mother, who's 93 years old, I mean, we went to the beach, we went to some public park, and we couldn't leave that place without picking up the grounds before we left. And I still, I brought my kids to the beach, and we'd, you know, police the whole area and get the trash, and and we'd throw it away. I can't go into a McDonald's, wherever I'm eating, and, and not clean up the table after me, or even go into the restroom sometimes and wipe down the counter. And yet we witnessed recently someone in a fast food and they gave them fries instead of coleslaw and they just came unglued. There's a willingness to yield. There's a consideration for other people. Kind of like when you leave the parking lot on Sunday morning, right? We yield to each other. Hmm. 
in James's day, it was used in military context of someone who would yield to a superior officer. It's also used outside of scripture of a child who would submit to his parents' authority. Notice further, full of mercy or uh, reasonable, someone who's reasonable or considerate. And then he says, full of mercy and good fruits. Full of mercy and good fruits. By nature, we can be harsh. We can be cynical. But God wants us to be full of mercy and good fruits. And this word mercy is an interesting word. It's a particular Greek word that describes someone that you're merciful towards who created the problem themselves. See, it's really easy to be merciful towards someone when they've been ripped off or abused by the culture. And we all want to jump in and be kind. But you know, the guy's a drunk He's ruined his life. He's let him sleep in his own vomit. See, James is saying no. The kind of mercy, the kind of compassion you could render it that way that we're speaking about is not let that drunk sleep in his vomit, but that drunk is a man for whom Christ died, and if he could find the Lord, he could be changed, and he could be a new person. It's the opposite of worldly wisdom that creates every evil thing. Mercy results in good fruits. Mercy is having compassion towards someone, trying to not just feel their need, but to meet their needs. Six, it's unwavering, which may sound contradictory to reasonable. You could translate it without partiality, without favoritism. It's describing not someone who's stubborn, but it's describing someone who has a conviction. He has a fixed principle based on the Word of God, and he's not going to move from that. He's not going to put his finger in the air and ask, what do people want? And finally, he says, without hypocrisy. Hypocritos, we get our word hypocrite from it. You know, in the Greek days, they didn't change uniforms or clothes in a play. They would just change masks, a smiling mask, a sad mask. And he's basically saying that someone who's without hypocrisy does not pretend to be someone they are not. And so he concludes, the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Simply said, a wise person sows this kind of seed and his harvest is a harvest of righteousness. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. If you really want to know if you are a wise man or a woman, Let God show you your fruit. You say, Pastor, I want this kind of wisdom. I do too, and I want to deepen it and grow further in it. How does this become real? Let me share some applications as we close. Number one, wisdom is given to those who are willing to practice it. Wisdom is given to those who are willing to practice it. Wisdom is not automatically given. It's given to those who are willing to practice it. It's not something that just kind of floats down from on high and all of a sudden you're wise. It's imparted, one, through a renewal of the mind. You you look at the perfect law of liberty. You look intently in the mirror of God's Word. But you don't just look. You're willing to apply what God shows you. And the only way for that to happen is for the Spirit of God to fill you. 
But the Spirit of God will not fill you if you are not first pure. You're not willing to be holy. You're not willing to obey the living God because he will not fill a dirty vessel. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And the condition, if you remember in the Greek construction, is since all of us lack wisdom, we need to ask God for it. But if you ask God for it, get ready because he may plow up the ground a little bit. He may yank out some of the weeds, and it may hurt. But in the end, it will all be worth it. Secondly, wisdom is not for the curious, but it belongs to the serious. It's not for the curious. It belongs to the serious. I didn't mean to rhyme, but it did. You see, wisdom is not automatically given to those who would like to have it. It's given to those who cannot live without it. How badly do you want wisdom? Solomon wrote, Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And then finally, wisdom can only be given to those who are born again. Only the Holy Spirit can produce this kind of wisdom, and we'll see that before we're done with James. But without being born again, you don't even have the Holy Spirit. He has to live in you, and for him to live in you, you have to receive Jesus as Lord. And God the Father wants you to be forgiven. He invites you to be forgiven. God the Son gave his blood so you could be forgiven but you must call upon him in faith. Father, we thank you this morning for the promise of your son when he said, come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord Jesus, you said that we are to take your yoke to learn from you because you are gentle and humble of heart, and then you will give us true rest for our souls, whatever the circumstances around us may be doing. Now, Father, I have no doubt there's someone within the sound of my voice who's listening, who's never received Christ. Give them the courage today to call upon Jesus, to humble themselves and to say, Lord Jesus, save me. And I know many have already crossed that line who are listening. And as we pour over these few short verses, because you've made us new creatures, our heart just cries out. Make this so real for us, for the glory and honor of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. As Pastor Carl said, if you really want to know if you are truly wise, pray that God shows you your fruit. If you enjoyed today's message, you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program James 008. Tomorrow, Pastor Carl's wife Audrey is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. You can hear more of Audrey's messages on the Search the Scriptures app found in the iTunes and Google Play store. Also, check out Audrey's podcast, Rare But Real, 
on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcast platforms. You can also listen to her podcast at searchthescriptures.org. We will return next Monday, and we hope that you will join us as we continue to search the scriptures.